Over the centuries, some of the greatest minds have accomplished amazing things in the areas of architecture, literature, science, technology, music, and the arts. We've had cultures to build pyramids over hundreds of years with incredible accuracy and limited resources. We've had intellectual geniuses to create written compositions and mathematical computations that throughout history has guided religious, political, and industrial leaders in developing global programs to aid in the progression of mankind. We the people have put monkeys into space, created vessels that travel faster than the speed of sound, produced medicines to cure everything from broken hearts to floppy, uh, well, maybe semi-floppy. Never mind, that's somebody else. So moving right along. Uh, to microwave pizzas and beer that you can make at home. And what did these years of greatness and prosperity get us? 30 or so minutes of heavy drinking, swearing, and self-abuse. And that's just the listeners. While he may have been produced in Montana, then set free to roam the wilds of Tennessee, your host has a body endorsed by the Centers for Disease Control and a face that even a mosquito would hesitate to sit on. What's not to love? While years of progress, development, and beauty have been reduced to madness and chaos, just take a moment to absorb this audio beating of your soul and dream of the days when things were simpler and more interesting. Yeah, let the good times roll. And here he is, the opposite of progress and beauty, your host, Alan Wooford. Hey, sinners, welcome to this episode of Diary of a Bald Man. Today's recording date is 17 April 2022. So immediately dangerous to life or health, or IDLH, means that it's something you shouldn't be fucking with, not without the proper safeguards and training. Amazingly, our military, law enforcement, road and construction workers, medical professionals, firefighters, and others deal with IDLH situations every single day. But no one, and I mean no one, would have thought that a segment of time would be considered to be immediately dangerous to life or health. And 2017 had to be one of the worst years ever. I mean, god-awful. Just in eastern Tennessee, we had two major explosions, both at Vacher in Charleston, Tennessee in September, and at Eastman Chemical in Kingsport in October. You know, and they, these, while big, only one fatality occurred at the Vacher facility. In Las Vegas, we had the shooting of concert goers and witnesses, resulting in over 58 deaths and over 500 injured. You know, and that was allegedly from a single shooter. Public health officials announced that drug overdoses from opioids were the leading cause of death for Americans under the age of 50. Under the age of 50. It was so bad that in October, President Trump declared that the opioid crisis was a public health emergency. And this was doctors prescribing and people getting hooked on this. In all areas, especially in oil and gas and in construction, we had the highest suicide rate since 2011, and it didn't drop until 2019. 2018 and 2020 were the worst that we've seen in years. Then globally, we had record-setting hurricane season. I mean, we had over 17 named storms and 10 hurricanes. 
In the U.S. alone, we had 66,131 fires and over 1,406 tornadoes. Yeah, in 2017, we were not walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We were running through that bitch at a high rate of speed. And I'll have more on 2017 when we return. This episode of Diary of a Bald Man is powered by Joe Rivas and the team at Rack Ops CBD. As a former Special Forces combat engineer, Joe has not only been on the front line protecting and defending those around him, he continues to do so as a veteran and civilian. Joe and the team at Rack Ops produce THC-free CBD products to aid other veterans who are still fighting the battle and reliving the fears behind their eyes and giving them options other than prescription opioids and other chemicals. Stay out of the fog and into the fight with Rack Ops CBD at RackOpsCBD.com. Please note that this information is provided for informational purposes only. Consult with your primary care physician or medical provider before beginning any course of alternative treatment. Okay, and we're back. Thank you, Keith, for that, you know, info piece that you gave us on RackOpsCBD. As I've said on some of the other shows, you know, I try to outsource professional resources and I found Keith Kramer on the site Fiverr and he has really increased uh, the level of this show, you know, and he's been great with helping me get the people that I support and everything and get all this stuff written up. So, you know, it, it's great people like the people over at Anchor and Spotify and Keith Kramer that help get this show out to the rest of you where you can hopefully enjoy it and possibly learn from it. So let's get back to 2017. 2017, it was bad. It was a bad time. Uh, You know, there were a lot of things going on globally outside of the U.S. as well. And, you know, there were some interesting and pretty cool things that happened at that time. Uh, Like, let's talk about the eclipse, you know. In August, we had the total eclipse down in Sweetwater, Tennessee, and my wife and the kids and some others got to go down and see it. I was working on the Praxair project, but there were some interesting things that happened too. You know, and when we talk about 2017 and we're talking about the Valley of Shadow of Death, you know, that gives us some perspective as to turning points. So in the beginning of the year, I'd finished my time at U.S. Nitrogen. From 2014 through 2016, we built the U.S. Nitrogen facility. Uh, I had a great time. You know, we had great teams out there. We had great subcontractors, great contractors. Uh, My wife and her group, which were the actual U.S. Nitrogen employees, you know, I I also got to marry my wife the previous year in, in 2016. So prior to 2017 coming up and rearing its ugly head, you know, you always see a point where things are elevated, things are good. So we have to prepare for the worst. And 2017 was one of those pivotal times where I got out and I started Safety Seconds around February or March. And what was great is where I'd received my Haswhopper trained the trainer uh, training through the National Association of Safety Professionals in North Carolina. That's where I started. You know, after my friend Paul's death that I've told you about in previous shows, I was actually going to look at getting more into training than consulting, specifically in, 
you know, confined spaces. And in the two previous years, they'd actually started working out, you know, programs for confined spaces in construction. You know, they already had it for general industry. But for some reason in 2017, uh, when I got into Safety Seconds and I was going out, there was such a huge demand for training of persons under hazardous uh, waste operations, you know, on the technical side, uh, getting in some additional training, redoing eight hour, the annual eight hour training. Some of them had to have the full 40 hour training so that they could go, you know, onto the responder level. So I started out under safety seconds and after the NAFS certification traveling. I was going to North Carolina, Kentucky, East Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, uh, parts of Georgia, just providing HAZWOPER training. And it, you know, it is an annual requirement, but it was amazing to me how many other companies who had not had HAZWOPER training uh, or certification started really wanting to increase their capabilities, to increase, you know, the knowledge of their teams and their people dealing with chemicals, just on the side that, God forbid, something happened. And where this occurred was certain facilities has incidents and events, and they were like, you know, what if the fire department's tied up? What if, you know, because of all these fires and stuff uh, that were going on, remember, over 66,131 fires in the United States alone, and volunteer departments and everybody were called out or supporting other agencies, they wanted to be better prepared. So 2017, while it was notorious for all types of incidents, suicides, and it, and it was amazing that so many of these were happening, not just on the job sites, but around the job sites in construction, oil, gas. Those were the top two. And, you know, when we reflect on it, people wanted their uh, people on sites to be better trained, to be better prepared. So in the beginning of the year, as I said, you know, I left U.S. Nitrogen. I was still based here in Tennessee. I had moved from Greenville here to Dandridge. And I was traveling. Uh, like I said, I was going to North Carolina. But where so many events were occurring in so many areas, the one thing that impressed me were the companies, as I said, that were wanting to improve the knowledge of their teams, their uh, capabilities. And what we saw in 2017 was an increase of situational awareness and an increase of, you know, personalities and mental health and things developing on sites. Because because they saw these trends where people were falling apart, whether it was work, heat-related stress, home-related stress, and people were wanting to be better prepared. We called the show The Valley of Shadow of Death because it seemed odd that in 2017, there was an increase in preparation and response by companies and individuals. So, 2017 comes in, we're rolling, I'm training, companies are getting better. And we noticed that a lot more people were not only signing up for the Haswhopper, but where we had started doing a very special program for construction first aid. And in 2015 and 2016, I was showing people techniques that I'd used in the military, that I'd used in law enforcement, using improvised devices for rescue. And just to give you an idea, one of the biggest classes that I taught was simply how to make improvised litters and carry devices. Because what they had seen 
2015 and 2016 because of the, the type of weather we had, ambulances would go to like a greenfield construction site. And for those not familiar with it, greenfield is like a brand new broken dirt, no existing facilities, no existing roads or infrastructure. And what was happening was ambulances, fire, rescue, would get out to these locations and have a difficult time getting to injured or fallen workers or injured or fallen persons. So using techniques of training I learned in the military, uh, developed even further as you know, my time with the service went on, and in law enforcement showing them how to get them up grass, mud, things like that. Because you know, you, when you're looking at a medical or fire responder, they're going to jump in. They're going to do what has to be done. But sometimes you have to bring that individual to them because they're not prepared for the environment in which they're going to. They're prepared to save lives. And they're going to do what they have to do. Look at 9-11. Look at all the other things where first responders jumped in, did not even think about their personal well-being because they were on a mission. So 2017, I was taking snow fencing, welding blinds, uh, 550 cord and stuff and showing people how to do simple rescue. I was showing how to use chain falls, you know, and we get up to an area where a guy would fall in a harness and this would be simulated and they'd say, oh, get the rope rescue team, get this. And it's like, okay, six minutes, he's going to go into suspension trauma. Then we're going to start seeing, you know, other physiological issues. So what I'd show teams to do was to have a chain fall in the area already set into place so if someone did fall while the technical rope rescue team or the high angle rescue team was getting ready, a guy could already have the chain down, hook it up on his dorsal ring and start pulling them up. Now, what was funny, people that were not experienced with this type of rescue said, oh no, it's not rated for this. It's not rated for that. And I've said, it's a thousand pound chain fall. The person didn't fall in it. We're lifting it. It is rated for a thousand pounds. Because in their mind, the way they were trained was that, oh, you know, this has got to have 5,000 pounds of force. This has to be able to withstand this. Yeah, that's downward force. We're retrieving an individual. And it was slow. You know, if you've never operated a chain fall before, you're not jerking it. You could slowly move that. And it'll lock where you don't lose control. So I could lower or lift a person. And minds were blown away because they never thought about simple things that were on all their job sites. Then we went into using litters and how a single person can make a Stokes basket or a similar Stokes basket out of ready materials. 2017 was not just about all the, you know, fires and all the issues going in and around us. It was a developing and intellectual challenging year because people wanted to know and be able to do. And it was a good thing too, because where we were transitioning in 2018, there were all types of incidents and events on construction sites. You know, we were getting ready for the new MEWP standard that was coming up. So it was training people on simple things like how to get a guy out of a uh, skyjack or what we call a JLG. Rescue training increased. First aid training increased. And, you know, it was the simple things that I had seen in the military and brought into the construction side and then into the ammonia and hydro side that people had never seen before, except for like other veterans, other specialists. So think about this for all those in, you know, that's in construction, or maybe you're in safety. 
if you have a greenfield site, all right, and you have a concrete pour, they're pouring the slabs, they're pouring walkways, whatever it is. It's a caustic, right? So they get it in their eyes and face. Well, unless you're specially trained, how are you going to irrigate them? There's no, you know, potable water except maybe in certain areas. There's no showers installed. They haven't built the foundation yet. So what 2017 allowed me to do was to show people the same thing we did for people in agriculture, truck drivers. This may sound odd, but if you have a driver in a chemical vehicle or you have, you know, a farmer dropping in hydrous ammonia, okay, one of the things that when you're dealing with these, people say, well, it's immediately dangerous to life or health. Get him into a shower, irrigate, do this. How do you think farmers do it if they're dropping in hydrous out in the field? There's no showers out there. How do you think truck drivers that deal with certain chemicals? How do you think they irrigate themselves if they're dealing with a leak or something? There may not be something. So I trained the guys to carry two one-gallon jugs of water. Because think about it. If you look at most first aid kits, you've got those little saline vials or you've got those little eyewash. A guy gets, you know, trips inside of a construction site pouring concrete or a pumper truck has a, a blowout and it sprays all over. How's he going to irrigate with four vials inside of a first aid kit or a small, think of like a Coke bottle, eyewash bottle. It's not going to happen, you know? So by training these guys to always have around them two one-gallon things, they're going to be able to irrigate. They're going to be able to get this material off their eyes and their face. So it's not just simply realigning a person's vision. It's not just simply retraining them. But when you walk through the Valley of Shadow of Death, you learn things. But the only way it's going to benefit and help others is if we train and educate them. You know, I always say at every show, plan, prepare, communicate, and engage. And one thing that we saw in 2017 was a lot of engagement, a lot of planning, a lot of preparing. And what was happening was an increase of communication too. One of the things that I saw in 2017 that I've not seen since, and it's not just because I got out of construction and, and went into the consulting side, but towards the end of the year, I went back into construction for two projects. And that led me into going into other venues. So while all this planning, preparing, communicating, engaging was going on, uh, I was out and, you know, trying to get this uh, business started. I was trying to get out there and do all this consulting, but it seemed the training was the biggest desire at the time. You know, I, I sucked at the consulting. I did. I'm not, I can't sell myself. You know, I could, I could have a hundred people say, hey, excellent trainer, do this. But as I told you, you know, on the Janice episode, I can't sell myself. It's not that I don't have the faith. It's just like either you need me or you don't. So I'm out and I get done consulting for a while. And then a friend calls up and outside the U.S. Nitrogen Project, they had the Praxair, uh, Praxair CO2 recovery come up. So I got out of the training for a while. And this is around July, August. And, you know, it, it's, it's going well. Uh, we're in there. CNC Millwright was doing the concrete. And then Dilling Group came in for the pipes, and we started building the plant. And what was unique was out the Praxair Group, 
they'd heard about the training that I'd done for the other jobs. They heard about some of the stuff and they saw pictures and you'll be able to see it on the Mind and Constant Motion website uh, here in the next month. In correlation to all these podcasts, I'll be putting up the pictures so you can see and get a better feel for these particular shows like 2017. And you'll see all the classes I provided and how intense they were to better prepare the group. But what happened is we were preparing for the Praxair mission. You know, Praxair people were coming from all over the globe, South America, Europe. Um, and they'd heard about this training, so they were curious. So throughout the building of the Praxair site, uh, while I was with Dilling Group, they would want once a week on how to rescue, how to, you know, if somebody got blasted in the face with anhydrous ammonia and we use the potable water, how do we get them breathing again? So, you know, I showed them the bottle system using the two one gallon. That's not great for ammonia, but that's what we taught farmers to do. That's what we taught truck drivers to do. And we taught them how to mix it with vinegar to speed it up. Not a great idea. It is not a great idea. But in trying to neutralize the effects of the ammonia, we had to work with scientists and doctors and ag professors to figure out a way how to clean them, you know, with two one-gallon things. Because there's not a lot of room on a tractor, people. And he's not going to run across the field. And then a truck driver, you know, most of them only had day caps. So think about that. They didn't have sleepers. They had small caps. So we had to come up with methods and abilities. So when we trained them this, they said, well, how do we get close to get oxygen? And the same thing that happened with U.S. nitrogen, I pull out a can of Boost Oxygen. Boost did not pay me for this. You can see it in all the old photos. People will tell you because they're blown away. And it's like, why do you do this? Where in the hell did you get the idea to give them Boost Oxygen? And I said, have you read the SDS? Look at the first aid section. In section eight, you can provide oxygen if properly trained to do so. So I'm showing you how to properly give boost oxygen. If they're cognizant and aware, would you like me to hold the cam for you? I mean, simple, simple things like the chain fall rescue. You know, because if you think about it, you got a suspended harness or a person suspended harness. How long is it going to take for that high angle rescue team to get up there? Hell, even if they get a JLG and they try to get into place and everything, if the chain's above them, you can begin rescue immediately. If your oxygen is with you, you can you know, start providing that. We're not putting it in the nasal cannula. We're not giving them a non-rebreather. It's a can of oxygen. You say, hold it up to your mouth, pull that trigger, breathe. Simple methods, simple measures, simple things. We can help. We can educate, but one of the things we have to do is share that knowledge. We have to teach them when they're walking through the valley of shadow of death, wear your steel toes, make sure they're electrical proof, make sure that they're fireproof, stomp that bitch. You don't have to walk with fear. You don't have to die with fear. This is what 2017 was about. So these individuals from South America thought it was amazing that having backup things like you know, two simple one-gallon bottles of water, you know, because they thought, oh, my God, what if the power goes out and we lose water pressure? What if a driver comes up and we lose this? Keep it simple, stupid. Know what you're dealing with. Get secondary advice. You know, same thing as I taught the guys 
rescue with snow netting, get a fire blanket, get a welding blind, put the person in the middle, put some ropes on the side, tag lines, use their weight to lift them. You know, how to make simple splints. We can face another 2017 if we properly prepare. But one of the things we're seeing now in 2022, since we have the pandemic and so many people were isolated, a hell of a lot of incidents and people aren't trained and people aren't worried about it because they're like, well, we got firefighters back in service. We got this, but you know who's wanting it? The same people, the same companies, because we see where every so many years things happen. And that's why the Praxair guys were asking me for the training. So shortly after we got the CO2 recovery site going, you know, and we had done all this simple training, we gave them simple ideas, things that, you know, they where they'd said, hey, we had guys splash in the face pouring concrete before. We had this, we had that. By giving them these simple ideas, they sent it out in emails, global emails. They took videos of the class. So when we got done with the project, I hired on with the Dillon Group as the regional safety manager. So one of the things that we do as part of our site-specific programs, you know, for safety, we do what's called an SSSP, is we train all of our guys. And you'll see in the videos, every job I went to, we were showing how to do first aid, how to treat for orthostatic intolerance, how to treat for, you know, uh, trauma, blood, using simple things, things you could get at the dollar store for under $10. And we could prep a person, have them ready for the EMTs, have the bleeding controlled as much as possible, have them splinted up, get them out of the mud, get them out of their harness. It was a great, great experience. But one of the things we did is we went to Texas, uh, just outside the Deer Park. It was another Praxair job. And one of the guys that I trained up in Tennessee at the CO2 plant saw me down there. And while I was down there to do an audit, asked me to do a 30-minute class for him and others on the same things I taught up there. Because where this was a brownfield site, brownfield being where they were doing construction on existing property, they were extending, doing things. They wanted that same knowledge because they were pouring concrete. They were doing the same thing where they're having to go up on, you know, 10, 20, 30 feet, uh, wanting to know how to do simple rescue things. And so by giving them that additional training and then them translating it, where it come through the emails, they have real hands-on events. They have real hands-on situations. They got to see it firsthand. 2017 was probably one of the best learning and training and sharing years, even with all the disastrous stuff going on around us. Because where people see bad things happen, they think about the people below them. They think about the people that work with them. They want to train them and educate them. The thing we have to remember, though, is once they're trained, if they don't use it all the time, they don't develop that muscle memory like our firefighters, our EMTs, our law enforcement, the construction rescue teams, they lose those skills. They they start remembering, oh, do, is it righty-tighty, lefty-loosey? Do I tug? Do I pull? Do I lift? Do I drag? Plan, prepare, communicate, and engage, but do it frequently. Do it often. Do it to give them the insight, the ability, the confidence. You can't fail. 2017 was a hell of a time. But one of the things, again, that we learned was that by 
in the face of anything. I was going to say, by, by the face of the exposure, by the face of the fatalities, by the face of this, we became more knowledgeable. We learned that we can rely on ourselves and one another. And through simple things, give the people the confidence. Make them feel that sense of safety. Let them know that we have the ability in the face of adversity, in the face of Mother Nature, that we can take that shit and we can run. This is Alan Wolford telling you to plan, prepare, communicate, and engage, and succeed in life. Thank you for listening. Now get the hell out of here and enjoy the rest of your day. You've been listening to the Diary of a Bald Man. How do you feel? A little dizzy? Maybe a little nauseous? That was one hell of a ride, I know. It's our passion to make you feel as uncomfortable as possible. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, Google Alan the Safety Guy. You'll find all the socials there. Connect with us or else. See you next time on Diary of a Bald Man. <laughs>